name is Anda Ginska, and this is Pros and Content. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Notch, a digital content intelligence platform. I'm a massive data nerd who's fallen in love with storytelling. And so on the Pros and Content podcast, we will be featuring a series of really incredible leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance, measurement, scalability, and optimization of storytelling. Today, I'm joined by David Lang, who's the Chief Content Officer of Mindshare and has also been responsible for building the content practice inside of this massive agency from the ground up over the past 13 years. Now, this is a conversation I'm really excited about because it was a lot of fun to talk to David, not just because David has a fun personality, but also because he's worked across so many different brands, categories, and verticals. So I feel like of the content leaders I know, David is definitely one of the most experienced and probably one of the wisest of them. So at his core, David is a true creative. As such, he brings a really genuine perspective about what it takes to make good content, how important it is to marry it with data, and how to find the best partners from a data measurement and data collection standpoint, as well as when to bring them on board in the process of creating and distributing this content. We recorded this episode at Camion 2019 in France on a fancy boat, and we had a lot of fun talking about that as well. I hope you enjoy hearing the back and forth um, and that you have a lot of fun listening to the episode. Here's my conversation with David. Hi, everyone. I'm here with the awesome David Lang, who's the chief content officer of Mindshare. Hi, David. How are you? I'm good to good. be here. I'm um, Excited to get you on this finally. You are someone who thinks about content across so many different industries, verticals, and brands. And so it'll be really cool to get your perspective. So far, we've had auto consulting. We've even had some of the smoking cigarette industry talk about how they think about content. Yikes. Yeah, yikes. I know, I know. Yikes. Yeah, you'll, you'll have to hear that episode to see I, what I they said. I look forward to that. Yeah. I look forward to that. Um, but, you know, we're going to expand this to retail, auto, beauty. And what's interesting in my conversations with people so far is that there's always this tension between performance marketing or demand gen and content. And some brands are saying you can't have content without performance. Some others are saying we don't even care about content. We only care about performance. And others say the only thing we care about is content. And so I'm just going to start. I know you're biased because you're a chief content officer. So yes. I feel like I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yes. But I'm just going to start by asking you. I'm going to try and surprise you, but go on. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Let's do it. Maybe. Um, I want to start by asking you where you kind of stand on this. You look at so many different brands. How do you think about the mixture between the different creative outlets? So, so let's, let's start with extreme points of view. Um, one of the things that bothers me in the industry is that people look at things in black and white. Mm. Everything performance. Everything content. The world is gray, right? Like... People, consumption habits are different in different places for different reasons down to times of day, depending on what, what device, blah, blah, blah. Knowing that, how can the world be black and white? It's not. So my point of view is that demand gen, performance, important, crucial. Content, branding, important, crucial. Depending on the brand, depending on the category, depending on the vertical, depending on where that brand is in the life cycle, 
is going to adjust the lever of well, what's more important, upper funnel, mid funnel, lower funnel. Sure. You know, do we need yeah. awareness for our brand? Are we trying to revive an, an old nostalgic brand? You know, like y- you can't put a blanket umbrella on everything. And, that, yeah. and that's one of the things that, that bothers me in the world today. You know, data versus creativity, blah, blah, blah. We'll yeah. get into that. But yeah. it's like everything is like it's a black binary. and white. Yeah. And, and it's not binary. No, of course. Of course. I agree. I actually think that one of the reasons why it's hard sometimes to argue the value of content is because we are stuck in this binary mindset, mm-hmm. right? Because we're used to display and performance and demand gen. Right. Did it happen or not? Did we get the lead? Did we not get, you know, did right. it, did, did we get the click or did we not get the click or the view? Yeah. And because of this older school, I call it the instant gratification mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to embrace something like content. Well, it's also because it takes longer sometimes to, to, see, see, the res- to see the value in the result. And in the world of, uh, you know, the longevity of a CMO is 18 months and they need to see quarterly share price go up and or they're going to be taken over, blah, 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 you know, for all the reasons. Yeah. I get it. But what it does is it hurts the brands. Totally. Be- and and the other thing that, that you know, and we've talked about this before, the, the annoyance of does marketing work? Does mm-hmm. content actually work? Mm-hmm. Now, we've been doing this for 13 years, over 800 projects, all different types of content. We, When we first started, you know, we would do third-party measurements, uh, Millward Brown, Dynamic Logic, whatever, to mm-hmm. say, to prove we've moved the metrics you've asked us to move. Mm-hmm. So when people go, how do you measure and does it really work? It's like, yes, it, it absolutely 100% works. We have third-party validated data a hundred times over that proves it works the other thing you know when people go oh so-and-so doesn't believe in marketing the way i look at it is a little bit differently because i'm right because of my title chief content Mm -hmm. officer i'm a storyteller i was a former television producer as you know so to me marketing is storytelling Mm-hmm. That storytelling may be a six-second ad, and it may be a 60-minute television commercial, and it may be, you know, uh, an Instagram story. It may be a digital doc. It could be DCO. There's so many different types of marketing and or story to engage consumers. But does it work? Yes, it absolutely works. Once again, we get back to that whole binary thing, you know. Um, and a lot of times you see the results right away, and sometimes you you don't. But that's based on the intent of what you're trying to do and the goals and objectives of the client. Totally. Yeah, you're preaching. <laughs> I, I like what you're preaching. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, no, no. Well, what is, what is something that um, you hear a lot about content that pisses you off? Um, and then what's something that you believe strongly about content that other people don't believe? Um, the first one, the annoying thing um, is data versus creativity. So, you know, so to me, it's not data versus creativity as has been positioned by a lot of articles, right? To me, they inherently have to and need to work together. So the the mistake, in my humble opinion, that marketers make is they look at data as the holy grail, as, you know, the keys to the kingdom or the final answer to the Jeopardy question. But in my opinion, it's not the final answer. It doesn't tell you what to do. It tells you what field to play in. So, but, you know, and that field to play in is great. And that leads to the right consumer insight, which can lead to the right big idea. But a lot of times, you know, they'll say, 
you know, so on the Excel spreadsheet, and I'm like, whoa, life is not an Excel spreadsheet, right? It's it's a lot different than that. So when we look at data and creativity, we always use data. We always use consumer insights and cultural trends and consumption habits, you know, by channel, by device, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also... It, it, when people take data to an extreme, it minimizes content and creativity. And, that, and that's where it gets annoying because otherwise you don't need people. Yeah. You don't need the big idea. Yeah. You know, can is about, you know, the festival of creativity. Yeah. Why? Because that's important. It, I'm not minimizing data because data is just as crucial. Like they go hand in hand. And on, on the creative side, you know, the way, the way I approach it and the way we built our team at Mindshare is – that it's not just about the idea, but it's about the execution. Mm-hmm. And how are you using data and consumer insights to, to manifest that big idea in the appropriate channels, on the appropriate platforms, in the appropriate ways? And it's not just, you know, repurposing a 30-second TV ad and social. Like, we all know that doesn't work, and marketers still do it. And so, you know, it's one of those things where data and creativity work so well together but they need to understand each other and to feed off of each other mm-hmm. um, to make things really, really work. And I think then you harness the power of data and you harness the power of the right creative idea, you know, built in the right ways to engage consumers and make a difference. What I see is kind of the other side of it, where we are the the supposed data nerds. Well, actually, we are the data nerds in the room when it comes to this conversation. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, when time for reporting comes, marketers would turn to us and say, well, what do I do now? And it's very hard to to have the responsibility of both the data and the creativity because we're not creatives. We are the data nerds. And so we recognize our own limitations um, and having partners like yourselves to kind of go back and say, well, mm-hmm. what are the insights and how do we choose to act on them? I think it's really important to have that that funnel, right? Because we, we're not meant to be the end-all be-all. Right. And you're not meant to be the end-all be-all. Nope. So the only solution is to work together. Well, and, and it takes a village. Like, it really does. Totally. Um which and, is actually probably what makes it a little bit harder for content to win because with performance, it doesn't take a village. Right. You just, you see a click and that's it. hundred percent. And you know, it was funny. I was talking to somebody earlier today and they're like, you know, it's time intensive to do content right. right. And I'm like, yeah, that's why most of it isn't very good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it takes time. It takes expertise. It takes collaboration. Um, it takes collaboration of people with different skill sets, right brain, left brain, you know, at, at Mindshare, it's really interesting. We work with the data science and marketing science team all the time, which when we talk to clients, they're like, you do? And I'm like, well, yeah, how can content live in a silo? It, mm-hmm. it shouldn't. And so we built this collaborative culture because for us to understand truly like, you know, let's set up the right metrics. Let's you know, optimize in real time. Let's understand what's working and not and move things about. You have to have all those people to the table. And that's like, that's why I love your company so much is because you can, you can get information in real time. You can understand what's going on. You can make adjustments. So you're, you're truly optimizing. Optimizing, not just measuring. Correct. Because like if you get a measurement report three months later, honestly, who cares? Who cares? Like, okay, yeah, that helps for next year, but what about this campaign? Well, so, also, every every one of those reports will tell you how great of a job you did. Well, yeah, exactly. And the the other reason why I think it takes a village, and that's really important, and this gets into the weeds, um, 
you know, people go, um, they look for vanity metrics. <laughs> you and I have talked about that many lot, times. Yep, yep. Or we call them empty calories. You know, <laughs> like they feel good, but they're like they're not really good I for you. I love empty calories, though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, right? Don't we all? But it's like, so, you know, how many views did you get? Well, that's a misnomer. Or it can oh, it be. pisses me off so much because I think we're using the totally wrong framework when we talk in those terms yep. to measure and actually understand the value of content. And I kind of uh, feel like you get what you measure for. Right. So if you're measuring for views or like some, sometimes we'll talk to B2B marketers in Silicon Valley who I think are like, to be fair, starting off on the journey of content. So uh -huh. hopefully, you know, with time, yeah. um, there'll be a better framework. But they'll say, oh, like the only purpose of this is to drive clicks or the only purpose of this <laughs> is to drive leads. Yikes. And I'm thinking, gosh, like there's probably cheaper ways to get you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you shouldn't be making content to, to do that. Like, right. Of course, that is the ultimate goal, but it's part of a larger journey and a longer journey because yeah. your sales cycle is six months. It's not instantaneous. Right. Well, and, and the other thing, too, when you talk about measurement, there are so many ways where things can go awry that you don't even think about. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, a handful a handful of years ago, excuse me, a handful of years ago, we were working with a, uh, a portal who will remain nameless. And the client was interested in completion views. Okay. Mm. Right or wrong, good or bad, whatever. So we asked the question, um, where's your pixel set to monitor a completion view? And they go, well, the last frame of the content. And I said, well, hold on. Even if you finish a whole video, you, everybody is so quick on the trigger. You're gone before that oh, last yeah, frame. Totally. So you're saying to me, if we have a whatever, 90 second, two minute, three minute video, and let's say it's two minute video. And if you go a minute 59 and 15 then you don't frames, count. you don't count it. And they're like, right, we don't count it. And I'm like, well, wait, but that's wrong. And they're like, well, it's not completed. I'm like, <laughs> completed in what way so so had we not caught that we made them move their pixel but had we not caught that we would have been set up for failure because yeah. completed views would have never ever happened been high enough to right. justify the content so yeah. somebody on that portal side said completed views logically well let's put it the last frame of the video but they didn't take into account how consumers actually watch videos and use their clicker or mouse depending on whatever you know how they consume content. So there are so many instances like that that we've learned through the years for doing this a long time mm -hmm. that if you don't set it up properly, you're destined to failure and you don't even know why. What I like about that is the fact that you went really granular with one metric because I think sometimes we talk about content at these really high levels and yes. and I think, you know, Milwaukee Brown, Nielsen, like great brand lift Mm -hmm. Maybe I shouldn't say great, but, you know, they are brand lift <laughs> study yep. Yep. partners, um, but they look at it from a super, super high level. And sometimes in order to make decisions, marketers will look at these video completion rates, time on page, et cetera. Right. And the way you calculate it matters so much. And, yes. and I'll give an example, too. And I don't know if this is something that the world knows, but I hope they do after this podcast. Um, Adobe Analytics and Google Analytics, when you come from a page, let's say you're coming from LinkedIn mm -hmm. onto a page and you're reading the entire content and that the purpose of that content was for you to engage with it and it only, period. Mm -hmm. And then you move on to another page, which is what people do all the time. It's like right. part of our journey, right? We don't yep. stay in the same website and keep clicking around. They don't count that as time on page. They count that as a bounce. What? Did you know that? No. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. But, but... 
we do right so like we came into this and we're like that's a great point this is actually about content and content engagement it's not about traffic and the flow of traffic and how many people bounced how many people went through and so something so small can actually completely change the perception of performance exactly right and and who are those people who are making those random decisions, whether it's setting the pixel at the end of something or exactly what you just exactly, stated? Yeah, yeah. And it makes a big difference. And then what happens is, oh, this didn't do that well. Oh, I guess content doesn't work. Let's exactly. go back to doing the 30-second ad. And you're like, right. once you look under the hood, then you see it wasn't it, – simply, it wasn't set up properly. And And that's one of the things that I love about my job and working at Mindshare is, you know – I can do the 30,000 foot stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm also a feet on ground mm-hmm. chief content officer because I used to be a television EP. Right, right. Um, You're a creative. Yeah. And, and, but, but I, I like to know how the house is built mm-hmm. to build the right house. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know it from the bottom up, you know, you may have a specialty in a room or whatever, but then you don't know what, what the hell's going on on the second floor or whatever. So, like I pride myself and, and I hopefully know like the house and then you can have feet on ground to not only set things up in the right way, then build great content and then measure it so you can have success and learnings. Um, and I think that's so important, you know, because to your point, people talk about content at a very high level, blah, 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 you know, it's industry speak, but you know, I like to focus on these types of conversations because they make a difference, you know, as we move forward when we create content. So have you ever heard a marketer say, I don't care about measuring content? No. Really? No, never heard that. And um, this have is you? this. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Then why are they doing it? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I would say that probably when I think about our company, the biggest enemy slash competitor Mm -hmm. is not another company. It's just people not caring enough to measure content. Really? Yeah. I think that happens sometimes because um, when you have these buzzwords, right, that come into play in the industry, um, whether it's AI or bots, some people just want to do it because everyone else is doing it. It's sexy. Which is like the the totally wrong reason to do it. And then they get burned because they don't know what they're measuring for. Yeah. And so... I, I think it's so important that the senior leaders are aligned, right? And that they know there has to be purpose behind everything you do. Yeah. Otherwise, why you, do it? Like you get nothing, right? Yeah. Why do it? So I'm glad to hear you're not hearing that. I'm not hearing that a lot, but there's a couple of instances where you see that and you think, oh gosh, like this is not going to go down well. <laughs> and probably what's going to happen is they'll go back to the drawing board and say, we should have measured this. We should have had more intention behind it. Right. Right. That's crazy. No, no, we, we, we have not. We have not heard that. We'll be right back to pros and content after this brief message. The pros and content podcast is brought to you by Notch, the content intelligence platform for brands. For a demo and to learn how to best plan, measure, optimize, and benchmark your content marketing strategy, visit us at notch.com. K-N-O-T-C-H.com. Notch. It's all you'll ever need. What's the craziest thing that you've heard this week when you when you've been doing the podcast? Hmm. I don't know if I would call it crazy. Surprising. Surprising. Unexpected. Well, what's really unexpected is I guess I was I was aiming to get 
a bigger answer around this balance between performance and content. Mm -hmm. And I definitely got it from um, Kristen, who runs marketing at American Eagle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she was very clear about how she thinks about both and how both are getting measured. Because in, in the business that she's in, right. she has to do both. Like without brand, the, the performance would die and, and would get too expensive to prohibitively expensive, right. basically. And then you talk to <clears throat> the CMO of Deloitte, mm -hmm. who, of course, she thinks about sales. She actually manages sales as well. Mm -hmm. But thought leadership and content is the language. That, that's kind of it. Interesting. And then you talk to Otto. I, I was just talking to the CMO of Hyundai. Mm-hmm. And he was saying the only way to do it is to first get to all your performance numbers and then you think about content. But ultimately, it all has to be a blend. But it was, it, you know, it was very clear in the advice of like, you got to get there with the numbers and then we go, right. we go from there. And so it's interesting to see that ultimately it really does depend the importance right. that people place on this. Well, what, I, what do you see? Well, I think it, it's interesting um, when you talk about performance versus content yeah. too, I think... In the past couple of years, we've seen this trend of performance, lower funnel, um, you know, uh, companies, public companies, quarterly share price, get stuff out the door, don't want to be taken over, or, you know, we've talked about the CMO, 18-month yeah. runway, like, get it done, and then they wake up, and it's two years later, and they're like, wow, no one loves our brands anymore. What, yeah. well, what happened? And you're like, what happened? You didn't do any branding. You right. didn't do any content. You didn't do any like storytelling. You didn't do any engagement. You didn't tell them who you what you stood for. You were just saying buy the product. Yeah. And so it's interesting that that one of the CMOs said performance first, then content. To me, from where I sit and the clients that we work with, and we work across a, a, a wide variety, it's usually just it's it's a mix. Mm -hmm. The mix is different for every single client for different mm. reasons. Mm -hmm. but it's a mix. Um, I would say one of the other things that's kind of an you know, interesting trend for a lot of our clients is, and this is based on the whole data thing, and I think this is really crucial, is um, how do they collect first-party data mm -hmm. where, because they're not getting the data from a lot of places that we all Yeah, know. that's true. That's a very good point. Right, so then, then the question becomes, okay, how do you do that? Who would the partners be? What kind of content? Mm -hmm. where is it placed, you know, and then the measurement becomes not only about impact, but data capture and what oh they Oh my can God, I love, I love you so much for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no one said that to me all week. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's been a, a really important trend um, that's, that's, that's impacted what we do and how we do it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that extra layer of, okay, um, let's really think of some impactful ways. And then you have the whole privacy issue, right? So, you know, you can't do anything. I mean, because we are consumers, mm -hmm. you know, besides having jobs. So it's like, you know, you don't want to do something that's, that's, you know, as a consumer, I always tell clients, I'm like, well, put your consumer hat on. Would you like this? Mm -hmm. And then some of them go, well, but I'm the brand guy. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> for, for a second now, take your brand hat off as a consumer, would this engage you or is there too much branding in it? Mm -hmm. And then they all of a sudden go, oh, mm. you know, so that's kind of the one of the other things. I'm so excited that you said that I'm because I feel like I talk about this all the time and I try to say, look, this idea of data collection should really sit at the forefront of how you think about planning. Mm -hmm. 
right? Because a lot of the, the performance marketing can get you clicks, but what it doesn't get you is first-party data, right? Because most of this right. performance marketing happens right. in the black box of the walled gardens. Yep. So Ooh, then, the black box of the walled garden. Is that a good one? I Should like I make that. a poster? I like that. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. I'll help you with the visual. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but with content, I think it's an it's an amazing conduit for mm-hmm. not only telling the story and getting real time feedback and optimizing, but also collecting the first party data that yeah. will eventually make you smarter. Hopefully, build a closer relationship with the audience in the in the right. medium run. Well, you know, one of the things that we do a lot of, which is which is fun, is tying in not only consumer insights but cultural trends, cultural moments, themes that are important to a specific target demo that you're you know building yeah. content for. Yeah. But that's a great opportunity to collect data because if you yeah. think about you know the whole world of fragmentation, um, you know, cord cutting, cord shaving. Um, you know, way too much clutter and noise, streaming services ad-free. Okay, I'm a client now. How the hell do I connect with my consumer? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it's not only consumer insights and data, but it's cultural themes um, and it's cultural moments that are relevant. So then you can create content that's meaningful and relevant to them. So, you know, they want to opt into things because, hey, it's now a give and take. You're not, you're not just spitting out at me. You're not talking at me. But you're saying something that's like, hmm, I like that. Yes. And so then when you do something that's valuable or share something that's valuable or give them something that's valuable, they'll give you information. Exactly. Well, that's this is like the premise behind how we initially thought of our product, which is the feedback piece. Mm -hmm. As long as you have given someone value and you ask them respectfully without interrupting the consumption experience, they are much more likely to want to share how they feel. Right. And it feels like a like a true conversation as opposed to, you know, a mm-hmm. pop-up that says, well, God I, knows, like 10 questions, right? Which yep. makes absolutely no sense and no one wants to engage with. And, and it's not part of the of a good consumer experience. What I love about your qualitative, you know, element um, to, your, to your program is that it's simple, it's easy, it's based on the right consumer insight, and it, and it doesn't interrupt what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're like, yeah, I really like this article or whatever it may be. And it takes yeah. a second to do. Right. And then you have qual. That you match against the yeah. all the other data. And you're yeah. like, hello, that yeah. makes total sense. <laughs> <Hello."> <laughs> that was really simple. Wow. Now I understand more. Yeah. You know, and but to your point, like no and no one no one else does that. And that's one of the, one of the things I love about Notch is you get qual and quant, um, but you do it in a way that doesn't inhibit or interrupt. Uh, consumers, you know, or, or annoy them. Like how many times have you and I, as consumers, you're doing something I'm like, who thought of that? Cause they just annoyed <laughs> the crap out of me. You know what I mean? Well, one of my realizations early on was that survey software was built in mind, not with the survey taker, but the survey maker. Yep. So it's like, if you're, if you're like, Oh my God, I have to boil down everything I want to know about a person to one question. Like, no, I'm actually going to make 10 and I'm going to put really <laughs> colorful backgrounds behind it. Cause that, cause that will engage them longer. Yeah. But you know, what's funny is it's always, it's, it's like the simple things, um, that, that apply here. Yeah. Meaning, you know, put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, it's like a good relationship. Are you listening or are you just talking? Um, is it something you want to say or is it something that they want to hear? Like, yeah. you know, it's the basic things of human communication. I think get lost in a lot of times in marketing because it comes from the seat of 
the maker, not the taker. That's a, I like that. Maker, not the taker. Um, Thanks. Can I use that? Of course. I'll give you an asterisk at the bottom of the yeah, page. Yeah, please. Um, because, it, and it's very true. And then it just annoys the person taking it. Yeah. You know, so a lot of times on the content side, we always talk about um, in brainstorms very simply, you know, is this idea good enough for a consumer to watch, engage, click on, share, etc.? If not, put it in the drawer and save it for a rainy day. Yep. Then, you know, it doesn't hit the bar. It doesn't hit the mark because it has to be all about the consumer. And that just comes from, you know, being a television producer. When I, I was an EP showrunner for Laura Michaels at Broadway Video for eight years. And, you know, on the television side, if you don't create a show that people watch, it gets canceled. It's kind of simple. Yeah. It's all about the consumer, right? Yep. You have to create something that engages them to watch and come back for more. Content is no different. You have to create something that is relevant to them, that's meaningful to them, that's, you know, moves them emotionally, whether it's happy, sad, whatever. It, but that is so simple to say. And then you look at a, most of the content out there and it's not created like that or with that in mind. Mm -hmm. It's created more about the brand for the brand mm -hmm. and not about the brand being relevant to the to person the consumer. watching. Yes. Yeah, and creating that value exchange. Yep. So let me ask you this. The companies that you see creating content, are they thinking about it in silos of paid and owned? Are they thinking about it across all the different properties? How much reach do you also have on the, on the owned and operated and advising brands on that front? Okay, so good question. Uh, a lot to unpack there. Um, when we create content for clients, depending on what the project is, you know, sometimes it's focused on paid mm -hmm. because it's a partnership, mm -hmm. you know, with a media entity. Sure. Um, but normally, or I would say anytime we do a big idea, it crosses paid, owned, and earned. Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It has to. It has to. It's Otherwise, a feedback loop. Yeah. And also, you're, if not, you're not maximizing your investment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why do this in a silo? Because there are these other elements that could really help or play a part right. and feed off of each other. So if you're not leaning into them, you're kind of missing and the point. And just to interrupt for a quick second, one of the smartest things I've seen some of our brands do is use us to find the best performing paid content, then take it and reappropriate it and put it on owned. Right. And then syndicate it against the audiences that they saw were really resonating. Right. And but you know you think about what you just said is so logical. I know. And how many, and how many companies are doing <laughs> Not it? Not that many. Not that many. <laughs> but th like that's the crazy thing. And I think a lot of it is on the client side. They are in silos. Yeah. Um, they are not built to be across. Yeah. Um, and or they have you know interagency teams that are just fighting yeah. for space and you know, the rugby scrum kind of thing. Yep. So, the, you know, it really doesn't get maximized for the client. Um, you know, a lot of agency teams work really well and hand-in-hand hand and everything like that. I don't want to sound like... No, you know, no, no. agency sure. teams don't. Sure, um, But it, it is something... So when we, when we are in charge of creating content, it is absolutely, you know, a multi-channel, cross-platform type of play. And everything that we do is based on the right insight the data point or consumption habit or expectation of consumers mm -hmm. and understanding that and then having that execution be good enough, as I said earlier, you know, for them to engage with watch, click, share, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. The final question is, what are some of the 
biggest challenges that you personally face when you talk to brands um, in in telling the story of storytelling and um, and kind of I don't even know if the word is convincing them that this is an, an important thing for them to do, but maybe educating them on it. You know, it's interesting. Um, when I first started, before our very first project, I had to say, "Trust me, mm-hmm. this will work." Mm-hmm. Because I got, I got nothing. Right? It's like, it's like, <laughs> did they trust you? Yeah, they did. You look like a trustworthy guy. I, I'm, I'm a trustworthy guy, but <laughs> the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And it was a big success. We got very fortunate right off the bat, and, um, and then we went from there. Did you? By the way, did you sleep well at night during that time? Um. Yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> I did. Um, because, like, th- things, breaking paradigms and molds is something I love to do. Mm. I just Same. always, always been very entrepreneurial. And, you know, when people go, well, this is the way we do things, my first question is why? Mm-hmm. Because I want to understand that thinking, mm-hmm. not because I'm going to necessarily come up with a better idea. I want to understand. Like, I don't want to just take that for, like, okay, so you've done this the way for like 10 years, 20 years, five years, like why? Mm-hmm. And then let's have a conversation. And a lot of things. So it was, it's funny. Um, I'll get back to your question. Yes, please. Um, when I started at Mindshare coming from the television side, I really believe it was my ignorance and stupidity that allowed me to succeed because yeah. I, I didn't, I barely knew what a media agency did and I didn't have the legacy baggage. Yeah. So I came in from a very different point of view. Yeah. And said, well, why can't we do this? Who, who said we can't do this? Why don't we do it this way? And as long as I think you do it in a, in a, in a very collaborative way mm-hmm. and not a jerky way, it can be well received. So we broke paradigms and broke molds and did stuff, you know, that a media agency, quote unquote, wasn't supposed to do. And now we're 13 years in and 800 projects later. We've been, knock on wood, super, super fortunate. Um so now when I talk, going back to your question, mm-hmm. um, it was going to come full circle. Okay. When I'm, I'm waiting. When I'm sitting with CMOs, <laughs> you're waiting. Um, go take a break and come back. <laughs> um, when I talk to CMOs now, it's not about convincing them. Um, I rarely, I haven't run into that in a long time. But what it is, is they don't know the art of the possible. Because when we talk about, you know, here are opportunities, um, you know, we, we always, you know, use the shallow end of the pool to the deep end of the pool. And for me, the deep end of the pool isn't riskier at all or more risky than the shallow end of the pool. It's just their tolerance level of being uncomfortable and something new. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we do when we talk to CMOs is we talk about the art of the possible. And we talk about here are different things other clients have done. And then their minds explode. They're like, oh, my God well, wait, that's possible? We can do that or that or that? I'm like, yes, this is this is what we can do together. And we can bring all the right people in and all the right groups that you work with, right? Because everybody's structured, every client's structured differently to collaborate and get it done. But this is what we do. So it ends up being a very inspirational type of meeting. There's no convincing. It's that, it's the education of what's what's, what's possible. possible. Yeah. 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 And then that then it becomes a really fun conversation. Yep. I do that a lot as well, but in the data realm. Yes. Yeah. Um cool. Thank you. My pleasure. This was so much fun. It's absolutely great. It's always fun to talk to you. You too. Thank you. 
that was my conversation with David. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I thought it was so interesting to see how very granular choices that deal with how you define a metric can dramatically influence how you think about the success of an entire campaign. And so the main takeaway there was you can't have creative without data and you can't have data without creative. But what's really important is that both of them show up at the decision-making table in the planning process so that you can have a really good framework for both from the get-go. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please share it if you did. And for any feedback that you have, please email me at anda at prosandcontent.co. I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to nominate other speakers for us to feature. And if you want to hear more amazing content about the pros and cons of making content or being a better storyteller in today's world, please head to prosandcontent.co for more episodes. The best thing you could do for us is to rate, review, and share the series so we can grow the community and the much-needed conversation around the purpose and importance of brand storytelling. See you next time on Pros and Content.